In this episode of Dr. LaCara's approach to blood flow restriction training, we talk about programming and the need to take your loads close to or at failure to get the optimal results. We also answer a bunch of questions from attendees regarding programming and the best ways to utilize your cuffs. You are listening to the BFR University Podcast with your host, Dr. Ed LaCara. BFR University is dedicated to helping people learn safe and effective ways to implement blood flow restriction training into their lives. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ed LaCara. Hey, what's up, guys? Sorry, I'm in a... Uh recovery pod we have at the clinic. So it's uh looks a little different than I normally am. I got temporarily kicked out of my treatment room for the for the next 20 minutes. So but here I am. I hope everybody's doing well. And uh yeah so my name's Ed. I'm um I host these things every Tuesday so I can answer any questions regarding blood flow restriction training or rehab or anything else that you may have for me. If you have any questions, just go to the chat section. I want to say hello. Hey, Abe, what's up? Hello from Dallas, Texas. If you want to put in there where you're from, it's good for me to know kind of where everybody's at. <clears throat> All right. Well, while I'm letting everybody get settled in, uh, yeah, we had a good conference this last weekend. National Strength and Conditioning Association did our presentation on um, what we saw with a four-week microcycle, meaning four weeks of training with blood flow restriction training in conjunction with high-intensity training. So we did um, a couple days a week high-intensity training, which is a defined of 65 to 90% one rep max. So your normal heavy load training, which you would expect with Division One football players, which is what our subjects were. And uh, then we had... Um, BFR two days a week. And what we were looking for was, does it increase one rep max and squat in trained individuals? And it did, which was pretty amazing. <clears throat> we, had, we had one individual uh, who increased their squat by uh, 20%. So very cool. Um, so it looks like that uh, using BFR in conjunction is uh, helpful, reduces loads. So guys aren't as likely to get hurt and um, decreases the amount of stress on the central nervous system. And, um, and so that means that your recovery time is gonna be faster. So some cool, some cool things. I met some people there that I've never met before. Uh, Dr. Schoenfeld, who writes on muscular hypertrophy, I met him, that was awesome. Um, and got to connect with some of my friends in the field, which was very cool. Uh, Keith. Friendswood. My brother's from Friendswood. He uh, lives in Clear Lake, and uh, he has a rehab and manual therapy uh, facility and teaches at the massage school down there. And uh, I used to have a bike shop in Friendswood, so very cool to have you here. Thanks for being on. Lewis asks, question for today. If, if a set at medium pressure is somewhat fatiguing on the first 30 reps, but light for the subsequent series of 15 reps. Is it okay to up the weight somewhat for the 15 rep set? Yeah, absolutely. So you can always modify these, these weights on the fly. There's no problem with that. 
just because you start with a weight at 30 reps, what I'll do is I'll just keep bumping them up because in all honesty, I don't know what somebody's one rep max is in rehab, you know, tissues injured. We're not really sure. So what I'll tend to do is start with a weight that I think they're going to be able to do 30 fairly easily. If they do their second 15 and there's no fatigue at all, um, you should start to feel a little fatigue at about rep 10 of the uh, 15 on the second set. I'll bump the weight up a little bit. I don't mess with the pressures too much. I'll let the pressures be, but I will bump up uh, the resistance. I want them to get to as close to failure as possible. And in fact, I think that the reason some people don't get results with BFR is it's not because the pressures aren't high enough. It's because they're not using enough load um, in order to stress their system and get close to fatigue. So absolutely, Lewis, bump up your weight a little bit. You won't probably need a lot. You probably just need like, you know, a two and a half or a five pound difference. And um, that should get you to closer to uh, volitional failure. Thanks for the question, a great question. The study that we're um, designing um, that we're gonna look for hopefully grant status with the NFL on ACL recovery and rehab, we're trying to write in the programming where we don't use um, a set amount of weight. What we do is we go till the clinician thinks that you're um, gonna either get close to failure or just about to failure, like a one rep or two reps to failure. Um, and so we're trying to figure out how to be very stringent with our science, yet have some flexibility for what is real life, like in the clinic. And that's really why I like doing these things. I like to find out what works in the clinic and then study it. Um, a lot of people like to do it the opposite way. What works in the lab? Can we apply that to real life? Um, so I kind of do it the opposite way. Like, what do I think is going to work? What, what does work with my patients? The N is, you know, my my cases are small in the clinic. So then I say, well, can we study that to see if that is that actually what I'm seeing or is it um, placebo or whatever? Not that I don't think placebo is effective. I do think it's effective. I think it's great, actually. Um, but um, we also want to know, you know, try to push the science whenever we can so we can make better recommendations. All right. Any other questions for me today? Abe, I noticed that bars don't recede during use, so I recharge every day. I also noticed that the pressure is about 15 points less than the hand pump. By working out every morning, I have been able to increase my reps and loads. I do hit fatigue every workout. Doing it every day significantly reduces my recovery time. Awesome. Um, okay, good. So you're getting good battery life usage. That was one of the problems that we were having was um, one of the delays was that the battery was getting um, overused. Um, and so I'm glad that you're experiencing that it's not it's not really reducing down. That's good. We never want to get below 25% on our units of battery life because it will automatically shut down so you can't find the occlusion pressure. It's a safety mechanism. So try to keep your units plugged in um, when you're not using them it won't hurt the battery to keep it plugged in it doesn't it doesn't overcharge it or anything like that it's better to keep it charged and full than it is to let it go too low so that's awesome um,
Oh, the battery failed without warning. Hmm, interesting. Uh, was that, oh, so the bars were normal and then all of a sudden it just shut down and you had to recharge it? And Lewis, of course, yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, the, the book is getting finalized at the editor. I haven't heard back yet, so I know they were supposed to be out by the end of last month. Um, hopefully, I will get that back ASAP. I'll send a note to my editor today and find out if I can get an update. But hopefully, they will be. it will be back soon so we can get those printed and out. Hmm, deflated on its own. Um, what I would do is uh, plug it in every two or three days. Shouldn't happen. Um, but if you're if you're not getting a good reading on the battery life, uh, connect with uh, smart tools, and we may have to replace that. Okay. Um, yeah, it will go to a certain level level and deflate. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, if that continues to occur, then let's get it back to um, HQ and let's get a um, new unit out to you. For anybody that wants to um, pre-order my book, it's at vfruniversity.com. That's where I post all these afterwards now and... Um, And any other information I will post on that site. Lewis, do you recommend the 30, 15, 15, 15 over the 45, 15, 15, 15 in the literature? Well, it depends on what literature you're looking at. There's most in the last few years have been kind of sticking to this 30, 15, 15, 15. I think 45 is too high. There's too many reps. I mean, you know, now we're looking at um, 90 reps to get too close to failure. I mean, it's um, it's too much. It takes too long. It's too boring. Um, so I would say the weight, the weight at thirty should be enough to get you pretty fatigued. If you can do a full forty-five reps on that first set, the, it, the weight's too light. It, it's not enough. So um, bump up the weight a little bit so that way you know you're you can do thirty, but you know you're not going to do very more than thirty. You might get to thirty-two, but that's going to be about it. Don't be afraid to use a little bit of. Yeah, do you know who the um, author was? It Sentner with the uh, meta analysis. I mean, there's uh, yeah, the consensus now is thirty reps is is enough. I mean, there's got to be a practicality to this. Just like I was mentioning to you, is like for me to take somebody through ninety reps. It's already people are like, oh my god, this is seventy five reps is a lot. To go to ninety is just like so. I do think increasing the load. If people can do 30 reps, it's good.
Yeah, Sentner. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, for some reason, I don't recall the uh, 30 reps, but I mean 45, but you know, ultimately, it's your body doesn't know if it's 45 reps, 30 reps, 15 reps. All it knows is it's getting tired. So um, the 30 reps is a, is a good way to know that the weight is light enough. Um, you know, we don't want people only being able to do eight reps because then you'll be closer to your 70% one rep max. Um, so, you know, it doesn't have to be exact. I would just, I would bump up the weight though, Lewis. I mean, you're going to be better off putting the muscle under tension, um, than not putting the muscle under tension unless there's some reason that you can't. And like, and if the weight's too, if 30 reps, if the weight at 30 reps is too heavy for the tissue, you may want to think about just going to isometrics um, or altering the programming. But <clears throat> other than that, I would I would keep to the heavier. Yeah, for sure. There's so many papers. Keeping it straight is, is difficult for sure. Uh, Doug asks, is a Jacksonville State study that you recently reviewed available online anywhere? I think I sh shared it. Did I share it uh, a few weeks back when I when I interviewed those guys? Um, if I I know that it hasn't been published fully yet because it's in the Strength and Conditioning Journal. It was um, I think pre-released for e-publication. We just presented on it last week, um, so it should be coming out fairly shortly. I do have a copy though, um, and so what I'll do is. I'll have to see when. I think it's on my on the BFR University. I'll send. A, I'll put a link uh, to it with. I got to get permission from NSCA before I do that. So let me just make sure on that um, because it'll get published here pretty shortly. Um, let's see. And have you ever used BFR to heal a small tendon tear? If so, what was the protocol? I'm having an issue with the audio, but we'll try to access answers on your site. Oh, really? Anybody else having? Um, Audio issues. Um, okay, so small tendon tears. I do the same protocol. I do um, 30, 15, 15, 15. Um, uh, 30 second rest in between sets, and then take a one minute rest, and then go to a next exercise. I will probably do that for. two weeks, and then I will look at if I need to, I typically don't need to, but I will go to eccentric loading as heavy as possible. So sometimes I will transition out of BFR and then go to heavy eccentric loading. In those cases, if I don't want to cause any damage to the tissue or I'm afraid of causing damage to the tissue, I'll use um, the uh, ischemic preconditioning protocol, which is 100% limb occlusion pressure five minutes on, three minutes off, times five rounds prior to the heavy eccentric loading, which helps to reduce uh, damage to tissue. So we know
know that you break down tissue more with eccentric loading, especially when it's heavy. So, um, pain levels to get above, like a, I have a combination. Sorry, guys. I don't know what happened. Um, let's see. So, um, so where you want to be careful, Abe, is at terminal um, extension, so you're not irritating the tissue. Just like we're in the early phases of ACL rehab, we um, we tend to avoid end range, so um, or end range extension at least. So what I would do is keep the weight low on your open chain exercises and do um do the end range loading as long as you don't feel any pain with it uh, but keep no weight on the ankle and just do um long arc quadriceps just that way basically we would know that as a uh, like a leg extension but with no weight so you're just doing it out the edge of the off the edge of the table and doing full contraction um, i wouldn't over squeeze at the top um, but what you can do instead is if I'm doing this here, so I'm doing full, I'm doing that full extension, place your hand on the inside of the leg and just kind of keep some, keep patting it, putting pressure on it to get that, uh, vastus medialis oblique to contract and make sure that that thing is firing. Um, and you should be okay with that. That shouldn't load that meniscus, um, in that open chain. Um, of course, if you get pain during it, or if you, um, get any swelling after the exercise, then you are irritating the meniscus. So, um, then you want to back off of it. Um, does level two BFR course get into programming alterations. In my opinion, what to avoid is probably more informative than how to specifically adjust program because of individual differences. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean. What, um, I wasn't planning on. I'm not sure what you mean, but what, what do you mean, Lewis, as far as what to avoid? Like overtraining, like those types of things or, um, my plan and what I have programmed for level two is really how to use it, how to use BFR as an adjunct to um, normal traditional training uh, protocols for cardiovascular fitness using cycling and biking, running and sprinting. Um, <clears throat> I review the literature on uh, augmented BFR training with, um, with athletes, like that type of thing. And if there's anything specifically that you want to see, let me know. Kinds of programming changes that might result in overtraining, injury, and effectiveness. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, no, but I think it would be good to, to kind of throw that in there. You know, it's really hard to overtrain with BFR because um, you're using the light loads. The, the central nervous system doesn't really get fatigued. Um, and so you're not going to it's just really hard to do. I mean, you'd have to really purposely be uh, doing a lot of training in order to overtrain, especially if you're keeping to the three to five uh, sets uh, or three to five exercises per body region on a training session. Um, let me think about that. And I, you know,
and I, I could possibly throw some stuff in for sure. All right, well, I'm at 20 minutes. Um, gonna finish up my lunch here and get back to patient care, but I pre questions today. Um, and and um, thank you so much for joining me. If you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, please do so just by clicking that subscribe and hit the bell next to it so you uh, get notified when we update on a uh, weekly basis. All right. Thanks so much. See you next week. Bye for now.